Stories of the Street. I'm Sachi. I'm Kelly. As we meet new people and discover new places around the world, we encounter countless stories that we feel need to be told. This is one of these stories. Needless to say, Luxembourg is a huge shock coming back from three months in East Africa. It's pretty much the polar opposite of where we were. We went from countries where we saw a lot of poverty to one which has so much wealth. We went from driving around crazy drivers on the road to a Tesla taxi in Amsterdam when we landed in Europe. And immediately everything was just very difficult to readjust to. Even just sitting in that taxi, it was soft classical music playing from the Tesla screen and... Everyone was just looking forward, sunglasses on, going to work, rush hour. And that was just hours after we had been speeding through Zanzibar. On the road, you'll pass bikers and people carrying big dressers and cows. And it's crazy. The windows are always down. Everyone's always talking. There's music playing everywhere. People say hi to you in the street. We went from such an animated scene to a very... I think it was even a Monday morning when we landed. It was very normal routine, going to work, going to an office job. It was so strange to be immersed in that again. The night before, we were coming back from a restaurant and we got a taxi back because, well, we were planning on walking along the beach, but the tide had gone in, so we weren't able to do so. But we got this taxi with this guy, and it was... (laughs) okay and it was really a commotion because initially he wanted to bring his dog on board and it was a really manky looking dog so we had to say that one of our friends was scared of dogs this man wasn't even a taxi driver i think he was a friend of an employee at the restaurant so he wanted to bring his dog because he was going to go home after he dropped us off but the only place for the dog to sit was underneath his feet and he had the gas and the brakes there, so we were kind of nervous. You were like, I'd rather drive, but... Yeah, so anyway, after the dog episode, he was... I mean, he was a really nice guy, and we had actually deep talks with him, and he was so kind, but he was the craziest driver, and it was just funny to see how this would never happen in a place like Luxembourg, because midway through the drive, he was like, let me just show you guys all the shortcuts, so... We thought, yeah, that's harmless, it's fine, you know, it's good that we'll get there faster, I guess. But the shortcuts, <laughs> it was a 90 degree incline downwards. I had never been on such a steep road, and it wasn't a road, really. It was tons of ditches and Rubble. potholes. It was as if it was created by an avalanche down a mountain. Our friend got out of the car because she just got so scared by the incline and the slope and how it really looked like we were going to slide down. Sachi said to me, it's okay if we lose control of the car because we won't crash into anything. We'll just roll down the hill. Which was true. But yeah, the one of our friends got out and walked the hill. But that's just to say, in the difference of a few hours, just how different even the experience of driving in a taxi was. We had been told on the field study that we would experience culture shock going back home, and I hadn't imagined that that would have been greater than the culture shock I had experienced arriving in Africa. But it was very interesting to me that even though 
I was coming back to an environment where everything was familiar and comfortable and my family and friends are here, we still clearly are experiencing culture shock. A staff member on our trip who had previously done the field study explained to us that when she came back after the field study, she was unable to convey what she had experienced to her parents, to her family, to her friends, and she was frustrated by that, and that's where most of the culture shock she experienced came from, just the inability for them to really understand what she had gone through and her perception that they didn't really care or they were just uninterested in what she had gone through, and she felt isolated because of that. So since we've been back, we've had this ongoing difficulty trying to convey what our experience was like and what we saw. And we've had recurring comments such as, welcome back to civilization, or you must be so happy to be home. Not because we're back with our friends and all that, but because we're not in Africa. And those have been quite frustrating because, not that I knew very well before going, but I realized that People's perceptions of where we went are obviously very different to the reality that's there. And it's really understandable that people have these conceptions because of what you see in the media in Europe or in the West. And also, a lot of the people I've spoken to have been to developing countries and have been to East Africa or Tanzania, Zanzibar. But their experience has been very different to the experience that we've had. And I think that's something we definitely noticed in Zanzibar is that you can visit Zanzibar and really not experience the culture whatsoever because there are enclaves designated for tourists. And at the end of the field study, we went to a resort for a few days with our group and were quite shocked at how you can be in the resort and not realize anything around you. It's really like being in Club Med. We could have been in Mexico, Indonesia. It didn't really matter. We just had the beach and a nice hotel. So I can imagine that people going there and saying they've been to Tanzania is very different to going to Tanzania, meeting locals, staying with locals, and all of that. Even Sachi and I, with another girl, conducted research on ethnic groups. We asked people about different practices they have, the languages they speak, and we really learned about the diversity in the countries we visited. So already there were contrasting perceptions on the places we had been to. I talked about this with my uncle who works at UNHCR in Burundi, and he was explaining how he gets frustrated when... People see Africa as a place of violence and poverty and famine all over the continent. So he tries to deconstruct people's misconceptions of his workplace as conflict-stricken and... Disorganized, violent, a lot of things people tend to assume. And so he tries to explain to people that their commute to work on the highway is much more dangerous than his commute to work in Burundi or... I mean, Kigali is like Singapore, Nairobi is like New York. These cities resemble much more cities that we are familiar with than the perceptions we have of mud huts and villages. And there are definitely areas in those countries where there is a lot of wealth and there is within country inequality. It's not all poverty, although it's still very prominent and very much a problem. So since being back, we've really encountered this idea of the single story. And this is something we talked about in our podcast with Gathoni, about how people have this set perception of Africa and how this is so fallacious. There's a really interesting TED Talk with the author Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie. 
I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly. She's an acclaimed writer, born and raised in Nigeria, but went to study in the United States and also encountered these singular perceptions of the place she comes from. Also, maybe because these stories are underrepresented in popular discourse through the media, education systems. I was just struck the whole time by how many inspiring people we met working with and for their communities to create change. And that is something that's so underrepresented. I remember the director at the Nairobi Women's Hospital was such an inspiring person and one of the best speakers I've ever heard. He really fights for women's rights. He has gone to court, I think, a thousand times in domestic violence cases, and he's only won once. And each time he faces harassment, he gets death threats to his house. And when I asked about programs that were possibly specifically for commercial sex workers, he just said, oh, that's a great idea, I'll write that down. And just how humble and how sincere he was was really inspiring. And he does such great work, but since these stories are not what we hear and we just hear of poverty and voicelessness and suffering, it just creates such skewed perceptions of people who live in East Africa. I also think some people wouldn't expect certain things to be available in Kenya, Uganda, Tanzania, for example. We had incredible phone service the whole time and we noticed that everyone uses their phones for mobile money management. So people use their phones, which most of the time aren't smartphones, they're just old Nokias or the phones with the small screens and people can send money, take out loans, pay for anything and it works really well. And I I just thought that was so smart and really advanced. What we've just described about the single story and different aspects of what we've experienced, we've been trying to convey to our friends and family, and that has been difficult at times because often it's met with either disinterest or misunderstanding and just the fact that we all have different frames of reference and we know that what we're conveying may not be received the way we mean it to be. And Kelly and I have been talking about this a lot. People don't care, and I think it makes sense that they don't care, or not in the way that we care, but also their not caring creates ignorance that isn't harmless. This ignorance can propagate harmful stereotypes or racism or overlook so many important realities. So we were talking about this with a friend, and he explained that his ignorance to the areas we had traveled to stemmed from him not engaging in stories on East Africa or not reading even the news about events that take place in East Africa. And when we dug deeper, the reason why he didn't read the news was because he said this doesn't concern him. And that really stuck with us. Just a disclaimer, we're not saying that we're perfectly up to date with the news and are totally aware of everything that's going on in different regions but I think it's important to inform yourself and show curiosity in that and I don't think that the idea of this doesn't concern me is a valid reason not to do that. What's going on in different places certainly does concern you maybe not directly but it still does and In many ways, what's going on in East Africa is inextricably tied with what's going on in the places I grew up in. It's impossible to ignore that our societies are 
tied in many ways. Our economies are very dependent on one another, some more than others. Of course, historically, we have a shared history. Colonialism plays a huge, huge importance in this. Political ties, social differences. And then the idea of this doesn't concern me, I don't think fits into all of that because what happens in these places does impact us and we are all implicated in these issues in some way or another. So although Kelly and I were so lucky to be able to travel to Kenya, Uganda, and Tanzania for three months, and not everyone is able to do so, we are all capable of learning more about this, and we have the freedom and opportunities to do so. So it is important to be curious. I totally agree. The importance of curiosity is often overlooked. So since we've been in such drastically different settings from East Africa to Luxembourg right now, we have been kind of hyper aware of the cultural differences in both settings. I remember when we first got here, we were walking towards the train and there was a group of runners running by and I just smiled and said, hello, (laughs) and uh, they thought I was insane and picked up the pace because that's just not the cultural norm and I wasn't in the zone yet of Luxembourgish way of life. And then we went into town and Kelly, who is a local here, noticed that her mannerism changed immediately when she arrived in Luxembourg. Unlike Sachi, I didn't say hi to those runners and I was really closed off. And then when we were in town, I was still like that. And I realized that even though I recognized certain people, I knew that they weren't going to say hi to me. So I didn't say hello. There's no good reason for why that is, and it doesn't make them a bad person. It's just the social norms are very different, and the dynamics are very complex. I mean, obviously, none of them were close or even good friends, but it was still strange. In general, our way of going about life was so different on the trip. And also, so many of my patterns that I fall into in my daily life were broken during the field study. At home, we complain about the weather and traffic and being late to work and the dentist was on holiday so I couldn't get an appointment and it's Monday and cold. But on the field study when your main concerns were maybe this hippo's going to ram into my tent at 3 a.m. or the elephants aren't going to be scared away by the gunshots tonight or even seeing poverty and people having to drink black water because that's their only option your thinking goes to a much higher level than just the day-to-day complaints or the things that seem so meaningful back home seem pretty meaningless when you're in those settings. So once we were back in Luxembourg, this triggered a conversation of why do we do things the way we do them? Because why don't we say hi to these people in the streets and why don't we engage in conversation or why do things like the color of your purse matter? You know, why are these cultural norms held up? This really reminded me of a Steve Jobs quote that I like, where he talks about the meaning of life. And it's pretty long, and he talks about how when you grow up, you tend to believe and get told that the world is the way it is, and that your job is to just live in it and not disrupt things too much, not cause any trouble, not bash into the walls, and... He says that one of the most important things to realize in life is that everything that you call life and that exists around you, all of these rules and expectations were built by people who were no smarter than you. And once you realize that, 
you realize that you can shape life and you can influence things you can build more things because a lot of things are pretty messed up and you can poke life one end and something will poke out the other end so this really tied into what we were talking about because he just says how we tend to think the world is the way it is and really it's not it's something dynamic and that's changing and that you can influence And we learn so much about life and why life is the way it is through traveling. And why do we not say hi to runners running by in Luxembourg? Why does the Bachiga ethnic group go through a two-week ceremony for the wedding that one of our program directors sat us down and explained the cultural ceremonies associated with weddings for part of our research project? But Why do those cultural practices exist and why do others exist in Luxembourg? So traveling makes us realize how life can function so differently in different parts of the world. And I think that before the field study, I definitely had quite a set opinion on this is life and this is the way it is and this is what I call life. Because even though I've traveled a lot, I've traveled to pretty similar places I went to study in Canada. It's not all that different from France or Luxembourg or Ireland. So I had a pretty set perspective on that. But traveling and going around in the field completely toppled that opinion, I think. And now I realize that the world isn't really the way I think it is. And there are so many perspectives on that. And the field study really broadened my perspective. And I think that will inform my future decisions in life and what I do. We have gone through a lot of different topics in this podcast and it may be hard to process or receive, but I think if there's one or a few messages we'd like you to take from this podcast, it's that, well, for one, be curious and keep learning and stay interested in what's going on in the world and what other people are going through because it does concern you in some way and you have a lot to gain from that knowledge. And then I guess second of all is... Be aware that there's more than one side to every story and maybe what you're being told isn't the complete picture or maybe the perspective you have from a certain thing isn't complete and I guess that ties into the curiosity thing too. There's so much to learn. The more you know. This experience enabled us to think different as Steve Jobs said. (laughs) So I guess that's the main takeaway. Think different.